We continue in 1 John, as you, if you're you're new here, we go verse by verse, chapter by chapter, book by book. We pick right back up where we left off last week. We're in 1 John chapter 2. We pick up here in verse 18. We're just going to take 18 through 23. I'm going to try to not keep you here in in the freezer, in the chundra here, you know, too long. But we do have communion as well this morning. But these are heavy, heavy, heavy words here in 18 through 23, but I don't want to rush them either. So let's just read through them, and then we're just going to take them verse by verse. John starts off by saying, little children. Little children means you and I, believers. He's speaking to believers. He wrote this letter to believers. This letter is not to non-believers. These are to believers, to you and I. It is the last hour. And as you have heard that the Antichrist is coming, notice in your Bible it should be a capital A there, the Antichrist is coming, even now many Antichrists, small a there, plural, have come, by which we now know that it is the last hour. They went out from us, but they were not of us. For if they had been of us, they would have continued with us. But they went out that they might be made manifest that none of them were of us. But you have an anointing from the Holy One, and you know all things. I have not written to you because you do not know the truth, but because you know it and that no lie is of the truth. Who is a liar? But he who denies that Jesus is the Christ, he is is Antichrist, who denies the Father and the Son. Whoever denies the Son does not have the Father either. He who acknowledges the Son has the Father also. Today we're going to continue to see God's exhortation and warnings to you and I or to them at that time as believers. We understand it does does make a difference what a man or woman believes. It really does make a difference. Many will say it makes no difference what you believe, just as long as you love God and sincerity of God, be true to oneself. At least I believe something. But a person who is really built upon a life of truth and not worldliness that John talked about last week, or the superstitions, or the darkness, or self, it is possible to live a real life by believing lies. People do. God warned the church family, little children, about the conflict between light and dark. We saw that in chapter 1, verse 1, through chapter 2, verse 6. Then God then continued to talk to us about between love and hatred. That was last week, verses 17 through, or 7 through 17. Now God warns them here of another third conflict that can happen. And that is the conflict between truth and deception. It is not enough for a believer to walk in the light and to walk in love. He and she must also walk in truth. The issue one faces is walking in truth or deception. How are you walking today? Do you walk in God's truth or are you deceived and walking into the deceptions of the things that the world dishes out to us every day? That Satan is always looking for opportunities to plant seeds in your mind that is just enough Christianized or just enough religiousized, so illegalized, that it makes you think it's real and true. But it's a deception because it goes against the word of God. See, John's epistle gives us as believers indicators to be aware regarding false teachers, false teaching that has creeped into the church. John was dealing with it as a pastor in those days, and it still happens today in our churches. Who's controlling that church? Is that church being controlled by the spirit of the Antichrist, or is it the spirit of Christ? There is a difference. We see here the very first warning or indicator is false teaching happens, or false teachers have a, a way of coming in, but initially 
initially coming in to try to do their work, but then they move on. They leave the fellowship. They leave that church because of the believer's foundation in the truth of God, and they do not like that. So we start here in verses 18 and 19 with this first indicator, and that's that danger of false religion or the spirit of Antichrist that can try to be creeping into a church. He says here, little children, it is the last hour. And as you have heard that the Antichrist is coming, even now many Antichrists have come, by which we know that it is the last hour. When you see these things, my brothers and sisters, you know we're getting close to going home. We know that the Lord is going to come back and rapture us out of here, and then we'll come back with him on the second coming. But here he says, John, is even at those times, at this early in the first century, the first church, John lived in this constant expectation of Jesus' return. And that's how we're to live. They, were, they knew that Jesus was coming back. But the question is, you as, and I as believers, do you believe Jesus is coming back? Do you have them every day an expectancy that God is going to come back for us? Many churches today, as, as it was creeping into there, were telling them, ah, Jesus is never going to come back. Don't, be, don't, don't listen to that kind of stuff. Just live your life out. Let's just have a great fill, and just, let's just have a great time. No, don't be deceived by these things of the Antichrist. Because they're creeping in to try to take your awareness off of Christ and put it on the things of this world and what the world has to offer. With a cloak of Christianity, but it's not Christianity. Because we're regarding the time is, is near. This, this expectancy that we should always have, like the early church, knowing that the Lord's return can come at any time. Seeing the nature of our times today. And what the Bible says about the end times. When you see these things. We should regard ourselves as being in the last few moments. If you know Ezekiel 37, 38, and 39, if you know Revelation, and you know Daniel, and you know the, the 70 weeks, you know the things of the scriptures, you know when you see these things. It's in the headlines everywhere in the, in, in today with Russia, Iran, and Turkey, and Israel. Wars, rumors of wars lawlessness going all over the place. You see these things. The Bible says, watch out. It's the last hour. I'm coming back for you as a believer. And he's only going to come back for the believers. Those who put their trust in Jesus. See, the last hour is a term that reminds us of the new age has dawned on the world. A new, a new commandment I write to you, which thing is true in him and in you, because the darkness is passing away and the true light is already shining. We saw that in chapter 2, verse 8. And since the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ, God is doing a new thing in this world. All the Old Testament history prepared the way for the work of Christ on the cross when he came. And after that cross, now we move into the New Testament. All the history from that point of the cross, we now sense the time is merely preparation for the end times. That's all it was. Once that cross happened, once he died and he resurrected, it's into the New Testament, the new commandment, the new age of, of the fact that he's preparing for his return for you and I, his bride, to take us home into heaven. Are you excited about that? I hope so. I hope you're not too cold. and if I, You can start moving a little bit. But I don't want you to freeze on this moment here. Because you have to understand that he is coming back. If that doesn't bring you warm chills. Yeah, yeah, warm chills. Conflict. Warm fuzzies. How's that? Warm fuzzies all over. The fact that he's coming back for you and I. This temporary light affliction of, of negative 30 degree weather is temporary for us. This might be our last season of negative 30 for us. Does that not bring joy to you? Oh, it should bring joy to you. It should bring great, great joy to you. But all of history since the time is merely a preparation for the end when Jesus will come and establish his kingdom. 
That's not a that's not an if. That's a guarantee. It's just when. See, the two terms that John uses here, I want you to note here in these a couple of verses, is last hour and antichrist. Both terms make it clear that Christians are living in an hour of crisis and must guard ourselves against the deceptions of the enemy because the enemy, Satan himself, is absolutely full force because he knows his, his influence of this world will end here soon. And he's going to try to take as many people down with him as he can. See, the Antichrist is coming, capital A. It, John here refers to an individual who has captured the imagination of many people, including those who don't even know the Bible. They know the term Antichrist. Why? Because most of them, because they watched some movie. It may not even have been biblically accurate, but they know the word Antichrist, and he's not a good guy, and he's looking to overthrow and, and rule everything and control your life. They get that. But they only have it in terms of what they understand, which is a worldly perspective. They don't understand the biblical perspective. Most people have focused the idea, as as you look at the word antichrist, it can mean two things. The word anti, that prefixed before that, before Christ, can mean two meanings. The opposite of or instead of. And most people, when they hear the antichrist, they think of the opposite Jesus, Instead of, instead of Jesus. Now let me explain the, the, the differences and why it's important to understand this. Because most people focus on the idea of opposite Jesus because they make them think that the Antichrist will appear as a supremely evil person. Which is opposite of Jesus. They think that as much as Jesus went around doing good, the Antichrist will go around doing really bad things. Or as much as Jesus' character and personality was beautiful and attractive and was appealing to every person and regardless of age. The Antichrist character and personality will be ugly and repulsive. And it's like the little red man with the, you know, the spear and the horns and everything coming out. No, that's not what the scripture says. As much as Jesus spoke only truth, most people think he's just, the devil is just the opposite, and the Antichrist will speak only lies. But that's, this emphasis of the idea of opposite Jesus is, is too much that people spend on. What you really need to have a perspective is not the opposite of, but the Antichrist is the instead of. The Antichrist will instead be more like an instead of Jesus or an other option or a replacement of. He will look wonderful. The Antichrist is going to look great. He's going to be very charming, very successful. He will be the ultimate world leader and appears as an angel of light who brought a deception and everyone will be fooled who do not have the spirit of God inside them to detect that this is a deception. People are like, how how can that happen? Well, think of history. Some have wondered if the Antichrist will be an individual or a political system. I believe they're both. Why? Because the political individual will lead a political government, a political system. It's going to be one and the same. Because there is very little dis- distinction or small distinction between those two people. Because it was, it'll be in a sense of both a person and a political system. To be a large a man does represent and personify, personify an entire government or political system that he will represent. When you think of Germany in the 1930s and 1940s, the figure of Hitler will come into mind. Hitler was an individual, but he represented Nazi Germany as a state, a government. He's a little antichrist. He is the, a, a, a prelude of what was building up. Because remember, Satan doesn't know when Jesus is coming back. 
So Satan's always preparing some man ready for that moment of being and coming and Satan coming into that man to give him power to have one world government. So he's been preparing men all along through the history, waiting because he knows that Jesus is coming back. He just doesn't know when. Sometimes we think Satan knows everything. He doesn't know everything. He's not equal to God. He's a fallen angel. So know that the Antichrist is an individual. But he is also can be associated for a powerful one government movement that we see will happen. So when you see hear the word globalism, you know what you're talking about. This is what you, you, you should trigger for you as a believer. That's what the scripture talks about in the end times. We're going to start seeing globalism. The government controlling economics, controlling healthcare, controlling movement, controlling what you can or cannot buy or sell and do those things. When you see these things, this is what God's talking about, what it will look like. Just as that means Christ is coming back for us. I don't know about you. I watch enough news to get all excited every day. It doesn't depress me. I go, oh, Lord. Big balloons flying over and our government didn't do nothing about it and the enemy is spying on us. This is exciting. (laughs) I am so excited. Lord, come. Come quickly, Lord. I don't get wrapped up in those things. I just keep my eye on things. And the Spirit of God gives us wisdom. We don't panic. My brothers and sisters, we don't panic on those things. I hope I can encourage you today. Put your eyes on Jesus. Not the things of this world and the things that are going on. Just know how they line up biblically. It will ground you. You won't go squirrely on me. I don't need any of you going squirrely in your minds on me. If you are, just come see me. We'll help you. See, the Antichrist is coming. Even now, many Antichrists have come. There is a distinction between the Antichrist and many Antichrists. It is a spirit of the Antichrist. It's a spirit of Antichrist. It's one day find its ultimate fulfillment in the actual man, the Antichrist, that Satan will fill to give him power to lead the world. And as he speaks, people will just be gravitated and drawn to him. There'll be power. They won't even understand why they're following him. There's just something about it, the, the Antichrist's power that will just draw people to follow and worship him. And it will happen. That fulfillment will happen. And this person will lead humanity in the end times rebellion against God. In other words, though the world still waits to see the ultimate revealing of this person, I personally believe he's alive today. That there are little previews of this little tiny man and his little mission that is going to is coming or it has come. These little antichrists, these little A's. But when you see the spirit of the antichrist moving in around us, his, John says, "By which we know that is the last hour." You know we're right there at the last moment. Jesus is coming. This indicates John expected the presence of many antichrists would happen. This wasn't surprising to him. There are going to be many people who will offer a false substitute Christ in the name of Christianity, in the name of religion. But it will be a false substitute. It will not be the pure relationship with Jesus Christ. And it will be evidence in the last hour here because Jesus is coming. John writes that this was true in his day and is still even truer even in our time today. Yes, the word Antichrist is only seen five times in the scripture. The word Antichrist. But the other names for that person is seen multiple times. Go back in Daniel chapter 7. 
Daniel chapter 8, Daniel chapter 9, Daniel chapter 11. You'll see the little horn, the king of fears, the prince that shall come in, the willful king in. We see in John 5, 43, he is the one who comes in his own name. We see in 2 Thessalonians 2, 3, 2, 8, a son of perdition, the son of sin, the lawlessness one. These other names are speaking of the same person. Study your word. Study the scripture. Study the Bible. There's lots of resources we can help you guide on that if you're wanting to go deeper. But essentially, this Antichrist is a world dictator who will lead the humanity in what seems to be a peaceful world. When we're raptured out of here, there's going to be tremendous chaos because you're gone. There's going to be such chaos across this world, there's going to be looking for someone to help them. I believe that is the opening opportunity for the Antichrist, the political leader, and also there will be a religious leader stepping up that will assist them to move people to feel safe to follow this man. And it's in that first three and a half years there will be a peace treaty that will take place. And they will find a way to have this sense of peace for three and a half years to bring about prosperity. And it will be all about prosperity within those times. But we know in the scripture that the Antichrist walks into the rebuilt temple in Jerusalem. That's how they were going to be able to bring the Jews to the te- to the the negotiation table and to get a peace treaty. And when the Antichrist walks in and there is a decimation of, of, of isolation, of decimation, did I say it right? In, in, the, uh, in the rebuilt temple, that's when the eyes are opened that they've been deceived by the Antichrist. That's going to happen. And then the rest of the three and a half years is pure God's judgment upon this world. The good news, my brothers and sisters, if you're a believer today, you won't go through those seven years of tribulation. God God does not beat and does not come down upon his bride. He loves his bride. He's going to take his bride out of here and spare them from his judgment upon this wicked world. Just so hold on to that. Don't get deceived by others' teachings on that that God is somehow going to take you, the bride, through all of that God's wrath that, that is just not true. Now, others believe that, and that's fine. They have, they have different views of that. that does, that's not a, an essential. The question, my question is to you. Do you know Jesus Christ? Is he your savior? And be prepared. He's coming back, all right? So whatever view you may have on the pre, mid, post trip, all that stuff, don't let that, that cause division among the, the body of Christ. Just make sure you know Christ. Make sure you love Christ and you're following Christ and you, want to, you can't wait to see him and you earnestly want to be with him. Be prepared. Don't think you can wait and go through the seven-year tribulation at the very end and think, that oh, then I'll get my life right with Christ before he comes back. Don't, don't be deceived by these things. We're supposed to have an expectancy that he's coming back for us today. Are you ready? Hello? You, you know it's icy out there. You know your car could go into a spin and the Lord, you could ta- he could come back for you individually today. Are you ready? Are you ready, my brothers and sisters? Oh, I hope you are. See, there's a movement going on here, and we can, if you're watching and you're seeing, and if you don't think that the Antichrist has, you know, and the little Antichrist, they're not drawing people away from Christ and moving into the world system, just like as people could get drawn and grabbed a hold of. And people, it's, it's nauseating to me to watch people worship celebrities. <laughs> they worship celebrities. They worshiped all kinds of of world leaders and nations and hundreds of millions of people. All these people are worshiping, not God, but they're worshiping the things of this world. 
And you and it can be so drawn so quickly, and you're like, how can that happen? Well, go back and look at the study of Lenin and Stalin and Mao. I'm, I mean, there's all these world leaders that Satan used to draw people to follow by the millions. Don't think it can't happen. It just shows us how strong a personality cult can be when the government gets behind it wholeheartedly. And it happens in the religious world as well. They get a personality up there in the church and it draws people and people come for the personality and not to worship Jesus. And we've all heard the stories of people will even take their life because that leader told them to. The spirit of Antichrist. It's so important we're not deceived. In verse 19, then we went out from us so they, the false teachers, those, they, they left, they, they, they went out from us, from, the, from here, notice that, they went out from us, but they were not of us. For if they had been of us, they would have continued with us, but they went out that they might be made manifest that none of them were, with, were, uh, were of us. So it shows that many of these antichrists at one time or another literally identified themselves as a Christian within the Christian world. They've been there. They were there. They, they knew enough of it. And they were around. They acted. They smelt like a Christian. They talked like a Christian. They walked like a Christian. Whatever that is. I don't know what that looks like. If you, <laughs> but some places it may it kind of make you feel like that. But no, you, you wouldn't even know that they are. They just sound like they had the right words down. The fact that they left the body of Christ demonstrated, John says here, that they were not of us. To begin with. See, John wasn't talking about someone who leaves one church body and goes and, and tends to another good, uh, good church. No, that's not what he's talking about. So you don't sit there and go, oh, where's, where's Mary? Oh, I don't think there's any Mary here. I, I, I won't use a name. Um, can't even think of a makeup name. Where did she go? Where did he go? They went to another church. Oh, they weren't not part of us. Are they saved? Are they sure they're saved? Don't go down that road. That's not right. That's not good. We don't know the, the heart of a person. God is, remember, God is the one who directs our steps to where he wants you to be a certain a body of the, of the body so that he, you can use your spiritual gifts for his purpose. You don't dictate what church you're going to go to. God is the one who's supposed to direct every step. Where he wants you to be part of. Where he wants you to serve and to be part of. Because there's something that you have that he wants to, to help fulfill that part of the body. So don't think just because someone moved from one church to that doesn't mean they're not saved. It just means that's where God is calling them to serve him. And that's the beauty thing. That's a beautiful thing about it. So he's not talking about moving from church to church. He's, he meant those who would leave the church fellowship of God's people altogether. That means I no longer going to be hanging around Christian people. Go to a Christian church. I'm not going to do that anymore. That's not of me. I got my own thing. I, I make up my own religion. These are the people that he's referring to. Those who are not willing to follow Christ and, and to, to study and, and follow the word and be obedient to the word of God. He's not talking about them. He's talking about the ones who go against all of that. And think that they can make up their own rules of their life. That's who he's referring to. And what's scary is most of the people that I come in contact with say, have you ever been to a church before? Why are you over here worshiping Satan? And why are you over here doing your worldly things and going here? Most of them all tell me, I started in the church. I grew up in the church. My grandparents took me to church. My parents tried to get me to go to church. See, that's really a fascinating thing for me. Because you know the enemy is working in the hearts and trying to keep them from coming to Christ. They started well. Getting them there to, to hear the word of God. To follow the God. Get around God's people so that God can use people in their lives to help them to grow and mature in their faith. But then the Satan says, no, no, no. 
Those people are having way too good influence on you, and you're going way too close to Christ. You're about to give your life to Christ. Let me snatch you right out of that. Let me get you hooked by the things of this world, and so I can draw you away from the things of God. That's how Satan works. Again, only God knows the heart for certain if you're saved or not. But the appearance that John says here is they, that they're trusting, they may have trusted in the church organization, or they trusted in themselves, or they, but they were certainly not trusting Jesus Christ. Because if they were trusting Jesus Christ, they were the, in this common ground, they, they would trust Jesus, they would stay connected to the church body. They would be connected to the church body. That means a church body is a body of believers, not just a gathering of people. You know there is a difference, right? We come together because it's God's church body of believers. Because I know that the spirit of God that's in me is the same spirit that lives in you. And that means God can use you in my life. And I can be used in your life to help you to grow and mature in your relationship with Christ. When you sit there and substitute that and get you into some social gathering, some other kind of quasi-community that is para kind of morally kind of a good thing, be very careful. Be very, very careful because you could be getting deceived and be drawn away from your foundational beliefs in who Jesus Christ is. One must beware of those who seem to be spiritual, that they cannot get along with any church. They don't fit in at any church. I see those from time to time where people seem, seem to be so gifted and so prophetic and so spiritual and so biblically brilliant in their own minds that they cannot handle being around where the word of God is being taught. Who needs a Bible? Who needs to read the Bible? When we get together and talk about biblical things and godly things, ah, let's talk about the things that's going on in life. How's the stock market going? Who won the game? Now, those are not bad things, but if that's what you're coming together is to talk about everything but God, be, be, don't be deceived. We gather together because we want to be encouraged in our walk with Christ. Because I'm telling you, my brothers and sisters, it's going to get darker for us. If you were listening to the radio station and you caught the voice of the martyrs and what's going on in Jordan and all our brothers and sisters and the things that are going on, you should be praying for our brothers and sisters around the world because they're just ahead of us, a few steps ahead of us. Their heads are coming off. They're not able to eat. They're not able to work. They're not able to because of their faith in Jesus Christ. Don't be deceived. Satan's just had more, more work over there right now. We've been pushing back because of the Spirit of God. Because believe it or not, this was a many people were filled with Christ here, pushing back the enemy, pushing back darkness. But that's not that's not any true anymore in the, in our United States. So I want to encourage you and uplift you in the fact that Christ is with you. You don't have to be afraid of these things. Just be prepared for these things because the Antichrist. Little antichrists are everywhere. Now, finally, there's just this, if you just leave yourself to, your, you know, to yourself, leave me alone, I'm totally fine with my relationship with God. Me and God are tight, and, and we do our own thing, and my own spiritual moments, and, you know, I'm doing my own thing. I'm, I think God and I are kind of cool. Then it's that, that mindset, don't be deceived by that. Because the scripture says, do not forsake the fellowship of believers. I take that very seriously, not just because I'm a pastor. I took that very seriously from when I first got saved. I knew I wasn't going to make it as a brand new believer without getting around more mature godly people. <laughs> I just knew it. I was going to go back to the world. 
But they went out, John says. They went out and that, that they might be manifest that none of them were of us. See, a healthy church can purge itself of cancerous false teaching. The compromising and false religious people and religion system of people will not feel comfortable sitting down and sitting and deeping their roots in a healthy biblical-based church. Not, they can't handle the conviction. They can't handle the truth. They can't handle the truth. You ever watch that movie? They'll leave. They will prey on weak churches that are not fed. The sheep are not fed. They're weak. That's when the wolves will come after those sheep. If the sheep are not fed the word of God, you're going to become weak. And when you're weak, you're prone to not be able to detect when the wolves are praying around to take you out. That's why I, we, we, our emphasis is on the word of God here because we want you absolutely fed. But more, and more than anything, to th- you, would just have, you, you, can't, you can't wait to get home to continue to read. You want to read every day. Because you have this appetite and you're like, and now you get together for believers and now you're encouraged in your faith. And that way you stay strong and keep the enemy at bay. Now we pick here in verse 20, 20 verse 23, we see another here of, of, of an indicator of false teachers. They will deny the faith. But you have an anointing from the Holy One. And you know all things. I have not written to you because you do not know the truth, but because you know it and that no lie is of the truth. Who's a liar but he who denies that Jesus is the Christ? He is an antichrist who denies the Father and the Son. How do you know who's an antichrist? When they deny who God and who Jesus is. It's not complicated when you have these false teach, these false religions coming out your door and knocking. All you have to do is, who's God and who's Jesus Christ to you? Once you realize when they tell you it is, you know you're talking to the Antichrist. Not the Antichrist, the person, the spirit of the Antichrist within that religion, of that person who's been deceived. So share the truth of the gospel of Jesus Christ with them so that they're no longer deceived, that they have the truth to set them free. But notice that he is an antichrist who denies the father and the son. And whoever denies the son and does not have the father either, he who acknowledges the son has the father also. So when we sit here at the very beginning of verse 20 here, he says, you have an anointing of the spirit of God from the Holy One, God himself. That a common anointing that comes upon you and me and fills us with the Holy Spirit is common to all believers. My anointing is no different than your anointing. It's the same Spirit of God. We're we're both indwelled by the Spirit of Christ and seals us for eternity as a child of God. Don't get into these religious things. Oh, you have a more powerful anointing than someone else. You have a special anointing upon you. No, no, no. You have the same spirit as I do. The same anointing as a child of God. So John made that clear to you. This is anointing that makes discernment possible for them. The spirit of Christ inside us makes it possible for us to discern when the Antichrist, spirit of Antichrist comes in the form of a, some person that creeps into the church or while you're having a conversation with someone at the grocery store and want to share the gospel and you get this sense Oh, yeah, I know God. (laughs) I hope you're not deceived by this. Just because they say, I know God, does not mean it might be the same God you're talking about. you got to ask a few more questions to make sure, because even demonic forces think they, they follow a God, and they do. He says here, it's possible to have discernment for you to know all things. 
How much is all? All. When the New Testament speaks of anointing, it speaks of, of it as a common property of all believers. And this is true even though all believers may not be walking in the anointing God has given them. The New Testament does not speak of a special anointing given to any particular individuals. It just means that you're maybe grieving the spirit that lives in you because you still have too much of the worldliness that has a pull of you. You may be deceived and going off on some, off on some tangents and following little squirrel moments, but in, and your anointing is not being, is, is the, is not being f- f- fulfilled because you're being swaying away from the truth of God. But you have the same anointing that I do. See, among Christians today, there is this, this a rather magical or superstitious approach to this idea of anointing. In their mind, the anointing is like a virus or a germ that can be spread by a casual contact or infected by a whole group. These type of religious folks think, let's get around them because we want to catch their anointing. Make sure we touch them, catch their anointing. It's all these spiritual junk that goes out and gets planted in the minds of people. Because they wrote a, they read a book on catching the anointing of God. Are you a believer? You already have the anointing. Now walk in the Spirit in truth. And watch the Spirit move, and you will show the anointing that God has given you. The power will come from you. Anointing has the idea of being filled with and blessed by the Holy Spirit. That's what the anointing is. And should become more submitted and responsive to the truths of God. You want to see the anointing coming out of you? Because it will come by by the obedience to the word of God. When you're walking in the spirit of truth, it will come out of you because it will be like natural because it's the Holy Spirit that's flowing out from you. Like living waters where you are sitting there and you're so refreshed every day and you're going through the battles and other people are just dried up and they get around you. They're just absolutely washed by the, the, of your presence being with them. There's, a, there's an encouragement there. There's, there's something that you, you can't help but getting around and plucking the fruit of their life, that, the, the fruit of the Spirit, that love that comes from them. That's why we stay very tight in our fellowship here. Our unity is so important because we want to come together and be able to benefit from the anointing of the Spirit of moving in the lives of people who are stronger in the, in the faith. That you're able to pluck that, that, that love from their lives. Remember, the fruit of the Spirit is not for you. It's for those around you. And then all of us have been around some people who say they're Christians, and they're really dedicated Christians. But they're prickly porcupines. You can't touch them, man. You're constantly getting poked. But we show grace, and we can love them anyway. And we keep loving them because you know they have a facade that says they're walking with Christ. But you know they haven't grown yet. But then you have the Spirit of God that can show you discernment that says, I am hearing words and seeing things that are not jiggy with the Word of God. And when you sense that that's not jiggy, then you call them out and say, now, can you explain what do you mean? What do you mean by that? Like, who is Jesus Christ to you? And can you explain to me the day of your, the day you were saved? Can you, can you go back and tell me how you got saved? Now, well, who's God to you? See, these things, you'll have discernment, not to be able to chaw light to the fact that they're not saved. Because if they did show that God's showing you that they're not saved, we want to share the word of God with them because we want them to come to the saving grace. If they are saved and they're not, they're not growing, we want to be around them to be able to encourage them to get into the word of God so that they will grow. 
Not to, we don't condemn. Jesus didn't come to condemn us. We don't condemn anybody. We're here to let them understand who Jesus is and how he can set them free from the bondage of sin. Bondage of religion. The bondage of the past. The bondage of the fear of the future. Those are all bondages. You know that, my brothers and sisters. You can be set free. Just keep your eyes on Jesus and follow him. But notice what John says here that's very important. Who is a liar? But he who denies that Jesus is is the Christ. See, the context here makes it very clear to affirm that Jesus is the Christ. He is the Messiah. It has to do with understanding the relationship between Jesus and God the Father. He is the Antichrist who denies the Father and the Son. Now, some would say, I believe Jesus is the Christ as they define Christ. You ever been around some of the false teachings? You sit there and say, "Oh, I know, I know, I know Jesus." Don't be, don't, don't be quick to that. Can you define who Jesus is then? Oh, he's just a prophet, just a teacher. Do you believe that Jesus is God in the flesh, the Messiah that the Old Testament spoke of, of God saying He would be sending the Messiah, Christ? That's when you see people go squirrely. They'll dodge you in every which way. When you hear these things, you just know that you're talking to the spirit of the Antichrist in that person. They've been deceived. Then share the truth. But we must believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Messiah. Bible defines Christ as the Messiah, who is fully God and fully man, who is perfectly revealed to the Father to us. And you must believe that. Because that's what the Bible tells us. The spirit of the anchor of Christ identifies itself by its denial of Jesus or its denial of the Father. But you must remember that Jesus and the Father can be denied even by those who seem to speak well of both. We can deny Jesus while praising God with our words. How do we do that? We can sing untruths of who God is in our worship music today. That's why we scrutinize every word that we sing, because it is a form of expressing from your heart truths about God in every word. And it doesn't matter if it's in a from the word of God and what I'm saying from what I'm teaching you or from the worship music you listen to, every word cannot conflict with the word of God. Or you are actually praising falsely to God. Be very careful of the words Christian music you're listening to. Because Christian music today is all about I, 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 I. My brothers and sisters, it's not about us. We're supposed to die of self. It's all about him. We worship and praise him. It's not about a band. The band is here. The, the worship team is here. These individual individuals here are only instruments of God to lead you, the body, to worship God. He's the audience. He's listening. These people should fade away. We shouldn't even see them. We only want our hearts, eyes and hearts to be focused on the one we're singing to, and that is God and God alone. Don't be deceived by what's going on in today's churches. This is not a, this is not a concert. It's not about performance. Those are deceptive things that are going on in the churches today. We want nothing and no one to hinder us from worshiping our God. If you're all by yourself in the car, that's when you get the loudest, aren't you? You sing the loudest in your car. Maybe you shower for some of you.
But when you see these things, whoever denies the Son, don't be deceived. You also deny the Father. God, John here repeated the idea that Jesus expressed often as a recorded in the Gospel of John. Jesus said, He who believes in me believes not in me, but in him who sent me. And he who sees me sees him who sent me. John 12, verses 44 to 45. And he who receives me receives him who sent me. John 13, 20. You can't sit there and say, I love God, but then deny Jesus. Don't be deceived. That's a deception. Oh, I know Jesus, and, that, and you have no relationship with God. You cannot separate them. God is one. But that's what's happening in churches in John's day, and it's happening today in our churches today. Don't say that I have a relationship with God when you deny Jesus. Don't think you have a relationship with God when you have a quasi-makeup of who you think Jesus is. If it doesn't line up with the scriptures, my brothers and sisters, you've been deceived. Come, ask questions. We're happy to help you to understand the scriptures. Be a Berean. Study the scriptures. Know the words. The truths of God. So you're not deceived. Sometimes we find people who will say to me, and maybe to you as well, but wrongly, we all worship the same God, don't we, Pastor? We all worship the same God. You have one name for him, I have another name for him, and they have another name for him. But that doesn't matter. We're all just taking different roads. We're all going to go to the same God. Because it's all the same God. And I, I'm used to be pretty hard on that. I would, you know, speak more truth than love in my early walk when I first got saved. But I've gotten a little bit more softer in my older age. Maybe it's because I'm a grandfather now, maybe. I had to plug that in. My little Jackson and my little Emma's watching as we speak. We, we have to be very careful that we're not deceived. That you just, didn't, you just don't get to worship God however you, you want to or not want to and think you're going to go and have this relationship with God. But I do tell them, you're accurate that you all are going to see God. And that your knee will bow just like my knee will bow. But the difference is, is I'm not going to be judged for my sins because that was already judged at the cross by Jesus Christ, my Savior, who I put my trust in. You didn't put your trust in Jesus Christ on this side of the grave. Now you're going to pay the penalty for eternity for all your sins in hell. But we're all going to see God. But not all of us are going to stay with God. You're going to go to a place that is complete absence of God. Complete outer darkness of emptiness that no human being has ever experienced. And it's only in one place that you'll find that, and that's going to be in hell. And that was designed for Satan and his demonic forces and to those who rejected God. I pray today you haven't rejected God. I pray you haven't rejected Jesus Christ. And as the Holy Spirit moves right now, if you're not saved, I know that there is a pounding in your heart. There's a heaviness on your, on your back right now that says you need to give your life to Jesus. Put your trust in Jesus and be forgiven of your sins. You have to understand we're all sinners. Our hearts are so wicked. Who's even to know it? The Bible says. You're capable and I'm capable of doing anything. But with Jesus, oh, it changes everything. So I pray as the Spirit is moving that you would just, in your mind, just really cry out to Jesus right now and say, save me. I am a wicked sinner and need to be saved. So the question is to you. 
does it make any difference what you believe? It makes all the difference in the world. You are living in a crisis day in the last hour and you don't even know it as a non-believer. I hope you as a believer, you do know. Now you are in the last day, the last hour. And the spirit of the Antichrist is working in this world very, very powerfully. It is vitally important that you know and believe the truth and not be deceived. Don't, don't, get, don't buy the lies and the deceptions when they come your way. Take everything you're hearing and saying and take it back to the word of God and say, God, what do you say about this? Not what I say. Not what a church organization says. Not some talking head on YouTube you've looked up because you're just really going squirrely and you need it and it's 11 o'clock at night and you've got to figure this all out. Don't be very careful. Just go back to the word of God. And if you need help, we're here to help you with the word of God to understand it. So you're not deceived, but you live in truth. Amen? Amen. Father, we thank you and praise you for this, uh, this day. And as we come to you, Lord, and the communion table, it's a day for believers. This is, a, this is a time, Lord, you've set aside for us as believers, as a body of Christ, to come together and to take in unity symbols of remembrance of what you did on the cross for us. That you took the penalty for the sin of the world. For our sins personally, you took them upon and you died for those sins for us so that we would not have to. And for whoever believes, believes in you, and what you have done for us, you, you will forgive us and set us free from this sin, from this bondage of sin. And I pray right now, Lord, if there's anyone that doesn't know you right now, as eyes are closed and heads are bowed, if you want to give your life to Jesus Christ, just raise your hand. I'm not going to call you out. I just want to know who, who the Lord is speaking to so I can pray. Anyone want to give their life to Jesus that God is showing that you have been living right for Christ and that you're, today's the day you're fully committing your trust in Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior so that you can be forgiven of your sins and now live for Christ please him in all the things you say and do just lift your hands so high enough so i can see them and you can put them right back there god bless you over there anybody else this is the most mature thing you'll ever make in your decision in your life it's life-changing it's eternal decision you're making right here anybody else want to give their life to jesus today God bless you back there. God bless you back there. Those online, if you're at home and you're raising your hand up, please call us and let us know. We would like to send you a book for you to start your new journey with Christ, to learn and to grow in your relationship with him. He's, he loves you. He loves you so much that he gave his life for you. Anybody else here that want to give their life to Christ? Don't, don't, don't harden your heart toward the, against the spirit of God if he's working in your life right now and he's asked, calling you and drawing you to come. Come, come to him, come. As we worship here, as we hand out the elements, hold the elements, but in this process, as, as we worship God, be praying just remember, God says to search your heart. Lord, if you find any wicked way in me, reveal it to me and let me confess it. I don't want anything to do with that. I want to give it back to you and recognize you paid for that sin. Lord, that's why we come to the communion table. We come to the table to remember that our sins have been forgiven, but also to be, get right with God. You could be a Christian and be spotted up by this world and be really dirty. You need to get cleansed. You don't need all washing. You just like Peter, Jesus said to Peter, I, if you don't want to let me wash your feet, Peter, you want nothing to do with me here. But if you're spotted up, if you're, you've been playing with things in this world, today's the day. Confess that to Jesus. 
Let it go. <laughs> Let it go. He'll help you. He'll take it. And be cleansed. Have nothing hindering the anointing in your life to serve God.